and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. And it's back after a one-week absence, back by very, very popular demand, the A-Show on the Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet Network. It is ESSR Central. My name is Ross McLeod. Apologies, ladies and gentlemen, for last week's absence. I had an engagement party to plan, so I didn't have time to talk about wrestling. But now, I don't have a wedding for at least two years, so I've got nothing but time to sit with you and talk about wrestling. And joining me this week to talk about all things revolution, Austin, Ring of Honor, and much, much more, it's Chris Anthony Lopez. Chris, how are you? I'm great, man. How dare you get engaged? How dare you? How dare I have a life outside of wrestling? Right. Oh my. Oh my gosh. Yeah. What a mark. But uh, congratulations (laughs) on that. First off, but uh, I'm so so happy to be back on Central. It's been a minute and um, hell of a week. Hell of hell of a week in wrestling news. Well, we've got a lot of stuff to catch up on because we were obviously um, John and I when we did the last Central, where we're catching up late, we discussed what Tony Khan's big announcement could be. You and I originally were scheduled to do this on Wednesday last week, mm-hmm. right before Tony Khan's thing. We were like, oh, God, can we do this? Uh, just a, a, a little peek behind the curtain for our listeners. I came home on Wednesday and thought I'd have to cancel my engagement party because there was a COVID outbreak on my uh, on my wife to be side, so we didn't know if we were going to have <laughs> the party or not. So that was a long, stressful night. That, uh, but now that we're back and now that it has happened, we've got we know what the announcement was and the name on the can- contract says Can, but it doesn't say Nick. It says Tony Can. It's. Uh, <laughs> Tony Khan now owns Ring of Honor. Um, I've seen a lot of mixed feelings, a lot of happy people, a lot of unhappy people, a lot of people saying, well, AEW coming into existence sort of killed Ring of Honor off a wee bit. Some people saying, well, no, actually, there was room in the marketplace for a second successful North American company, and Ring of Honor did have a 10-year shot to become that. Um what were your thoughts on the announcement itself? What did you think the announcement was going to be? And what are your thoughts on AEW now owning Ring of Honor? So initially, I thought the announcement was going to be something in regards to AEW and streaming and being on the streaming service or something like that. And I know like it had to be done through Turner because that's who AEW is doing the shows from. But I thought I'd be a streamer, like something where... It can they can somehow dig at WWE like oh look we're on our own streaming service that's easier to navigate than at least for us in the states Peacock which is absolutely awful to find wrestling shows on there but then the announcement came of Ring of Honor and I I didn't even think of Tony Khan buying Ring of Honor I know it's been discussed I know people have been trying to fantasy book it I guess but. I thought, I'm like, no, nah, it's too much. He already has a big enough roster as it is, but that's the key. His big-ass roster can now be spread on AEW and Ring of Honor. And my first thought was, congratulations, Tony. You just won the hearts of millions of wrestling fans around the world, even more so than you already do. Because 
I don't know the state of Ring of Honor. I didn't know the state of Ring of, Ring of Honor after their last show and have, having to postpone shows and tapings and such going into this year. But it was in doubt, and we didn't know the future of, of ROH. And Tony Khan, for all we know, could have saved the damn promotion. I know they were planning a return show, but we don't know what Ring of Honor would have looked would have looked like. So I'm I'm in the camp where I'm hesitant to see how Tony handles Ring of Honor, but I'm happy that Ring of Honor is under somebody who has a lot of clout behind him. He's worked with New Japan, he's working with Impact, and now he's straight up bought ROH. So anything's possible. But I'm I'm more optimistic than pessimistic, but I guess we'll see how everything goes. Yeah, I I think you're you're right there. Where it's like he has working relationships where he can, you know, this this was something Chris Jericho talked about in his podcast back in a uh, back when Ring of Honor were doing the Madison Square Garden shows. Ring of Honor wasn't hot anymore. Ring of Honor wasn't like it wasn't the cool company anymore. You know, the fact that the likes of you know Adam Cole, Roderick Strong, Kyle O'Reilly. At that time, we're in NXT. The Bucks and uh, the Bullet Club and Kenny Omega and all that. Once the partnership with Japan ended and people went in Ring of Honor, sorry, AEW, a lot of the, the cool things that drew people to Ring of Honor weren't there anymore. And, I mean, don't get me wrong, people say, oh, AEW killed Ring of Honor. WWE also had a pretty aggressive signing strategy around about the time AEW came into existence and let's not forget Ring of Honor has been about since 2002 they've had more than enough time to become a viable alternative and they haven't done it maybe maybe you could say oh well you know they didn't have a billionaire backer for the start no but they did have the likes of Cody, The Bucks, Kenny Omega you know they they had all those people and they didn't do what AEW did with them. So don't mind Ring of Honor being owned by Tony Khan. Interesting to see how he how he does this though. Like what are they going to be two completely separate promotions? Like he just happens to be the, the owner, like or is it just going to be a case of right, we're going to be all under the one banner and it's going to kind of be like Raw and SmackDown is under the WWE banner. So according to uh, this little, like he did media, Tony Khan did after Revolution. And of course, that was the hot button topic. What's the future of Ring of Honor? And he addressed some of the things to the point where he said that Ring of Honor could potentially be used as developmental for AEW, whatever that means. I don't know about developmental, but maybe a lot of the folks who us wrestling fans are clamoring for on Dynamite and Rampage can be used for Ring of Honor shows and Ring of Honor tapings. That'd be a lot of fun to see. And he also mentioned that he's going to keep them running separate. There'll be two separate entities. I guarantee we'll see crossover all the time because let's be real. Why would why would you not have crossover? Now, they probably won't be trading each other's belts on each other's programming, but it'll be fun to see ring of honor back at it but with a lot of the aew talent that may or may not be utilized to the best of their abilities or as much as us fans want to see them but you mentioned a great point 
on on why Ring of Honor has been dwindling, at least in regards to the pro wrestling landscape. Like what you said, it's been what, 20 years since Ring of Honor has been a thing. And a lot of their talent that made their that made Ring of Honor, that Ring of Honor made these people and gave them a platform to become who they are. Just to name a few. CM Punk, Adam Cole, The Young Bucks, Hangman Adam Page, Samoa Joe, Christopher Daniels, folks like that. Where are those people? They had been scattered across the top two wrestling brands in North America, with a lot of them primarily being in AEW now. But you have folks like Seth Rollins, who also have been a part of Ring of Honor. Kevin Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn in WWE, formerly Cesaro before he, he was released of his contract, or not released, but before his contract expired, who may end up making his way back to Ring of Honor now. Being a part of this revamped Tony Khan run Ring of Honor. There's a lot of potential names thrown around in this that could still have their hands in it. But I'm not ready to say Tony Khan killed Ring of Honor just to buy it a couple years later. It definitely was the bidding war between AEW and WWE slash NXT poaching all that talent. You know, Red Dragon also being a part of that. You saw so much talent between AEW and WWE come from Ring of Honor. And yeah, a lot of those names are still traversing the other shows, the New Japans and the Impacts or some floating around in the Indies without a, a home promotion. But let's I want to see how this goes. I'm very intrigued. I'm Like I said, I'm going to be optimistic and I'm not going to act like I'm this Ring of Honor connoisseur. I know who's competed in Ring of Honor. I've seen some Ring of Honor matches and they've been incredible. But I don't know the full history of ROH. And that's why Tony Khan purchasing the company, essentially reviving it maybe to what it used to be, will give wrestling fans like me who may not be as traverse in Ring of Honor or bring a new spotlight to ROH. I know we're going to talk about Revolution in a second, but how many times did Excalibur say Ring of Honor over the course of that show or ROH over the course of that show? They're already driving that point home. Shit, they used old music from wrestlers that we'll get to in a second. So, Ring of Honor, <laughs> we'll we'll get there when we get there. But I'm I'm intrigued. I'm very intrigued at how this will go. I'm interested to see how it goes as well. And you, you talk about two separate entities and crossovers. I can see people. Th- th- this is it, it's not an AEW thing. This this was a Chris Jericho thing. What I what I thought it was quite disrespectful um, when see when Impact and uh, AEW would say Ring of Honor because you said how many times can you say Ring of Honor now that's all in my head <laughs> AEW and Impact when they first did their shows together all of a sudden it w- uh, Chris Jericho was like like hit, all he was talking about is why don't we send this person to Impact why don't we send that person to Impact why don't we send Sammy Guevara to Impact? He was like a driving force behind that. And then apparently came out and said, you know, why, why would I want to be in a soundstage in Orlando? Or why would I want to be in a soundstage in Nashville? Basically just saying, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to Impact. You're like, well, Kenny Omega, the world champion's in Impact. So let, let's not pretend you're not, you're too big to go to Impact. Do you know what I mean? I just don't right. want there to be a, you know, AEW's up here and Ring of Honor's down here and they just happen to be owned by the same guy. And you, you talked about cross-promotion. 
you might have guys who are a bit fed up and like just put me in Ring of Honor and you're like, well, instantly that that devalues the people in Ring of Honor, if you get me. Sure. Like, yeah, I get you. Yeah. But but that that's where like you you'll have these bigger names, and I think that's that's where you'll use them to Ring of Honor's benefit. Yeah, there are going to be some folks floating around the AEW roster that are like, just put me on ROH so I can get more time. Take me away from AEW. Sure, that's going to be the case. That's that's inevitable. But the second you hear folks like CM Punk, like Brian Danielson, folks who made their names in Ring of Honor, I bet they're jonesing to wrestle for that, to wrestle under that banner again. I bet they cannot count the minutes to get back to a Ring of Honor ring and just start competing again under that ROH brand, and that's where you can use these bigger names to also pop up on their shows. I guarantee you CM Punk will wrestle on Ring of Honor. Is it going to be one time or two times? Who knows? But I guarantee he's telling Tony, hey, y'all want to wrestle for ROH. Don't know when, don't know where, but I want to do it. And I think that's to the benefit of, of ROH as a brand. So you have a point, totally, that I don't want to diminish ROH either because of the, of the legacy that that those three words in wrestling mean and carry. But also, there are a lot of guys that share that same sentiment, that Ring of Honor is a home to them, that to a lot of folks, that was where they made their start. That was where they had some of the best times of their career. And now that it's coming back under Tony Khan and that it, it's under a, a stable, it's under stable ownership, these these main event guys, yeah, Chris Jericho, he can say whatever he wants, but let's be real. Chris Jericho's not the one he's he's one of the bigger guys in AEW, but there are other big guys there who I guarantee are clamoring to get back to wrestle for ROH. I guarantee it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I don't know that. Um just two points obviously on ownership. We we saw how impacts flourished under a stable ownership under the likes of Scott Demore and Don Callis. Taking away the likes of Dixie Carter, who was just apparently the nicest woman in the world I've heard from in wrestler shoot interviews and from people I know in wrestling that have, have met her. The nicest person in the world, but just not not a great business person when it came to wrestling. Sure. We've saw we've saw impact flourish. And obviously you mentioned streaming. It's a lot easier for AEW to get their own streaming service now. If they can go, hey, by the way, you know, we've got three years of Dynamite and Dark. We've got every episode of Rampage and Dark Elevation, but we also have a 20-year back catalogue of stuff of some of the greatest wrestlers ever to wrestle yep. that WWE don't have their hands on. And instantly that, even if it's on, even if it's on something like a like a Peacock, even if like say HBO Max picked up, or if TNT's has a stream, streaming service, I don't know. Um, like if they put all that on there instantly, it, it, it's it's a marketing tool. They can market. We are not just a company that started in 2019. We also have this, that, and the next thing in our back catalogue. Sort of like WWE did when they were like, we don't just have WWE in our back catalogue. We've got WCW, ECW. And it's why, why it was such a hotly contested thing, the Ring of Honor ownership. But We've sort of done this to death. Let's let's move on to Revolution. Um, I'll just I'll run through the pre-show dead quickly, um, and you can tell me any thoughts or 
anything you'd like to talk about the pre-show. Uh, Legitly, Laharch defeating Chris Statlander in the opening match. Hook defeating QT Marshall. House of Black, Malachi Black, Brody King and Buddy Matthews defeating Pac, Penta Obscuro and Eric Redbeard in a six-man tag team match. What were your thoughts on the pre-show? Anything you want to bring up? I mean, I love seeing Hook on pay-per-view. Granted, it was the buy-in, but I think Hook, at least with the little uh, my buddies I watched the show with, they were not too high on Hook, at least as, as much as I was. But um, yeah, this little thing with QT Marshall that he's been doing, yeah, it's cute. But I want to start seeing Hook in some in some like bigger matches. Get my man off a of rampage. Get him off of the buy-in. Let's see what he can actually do. And maybe that's why they keep him in there because he can't do much besides his um his his the little gimmicks that we've been seeing. Um I loved I love Layla Hirsch and Chris Statlander. I just love seeing them included because um we see a lot of Britt Baker in AEW's women's division, a lot of Thunder Rosa recently. But uh Chris Statlander is somebody who I miss seeing in that that high profile thing. And Layla Hirsch, they're really building her up to to potentially get there, especially after beating Statlander. But the match of the pre-show by far was House of Black and uh, Death Triangle. Love seeing Redbeard back. Um, he, his I hated that he took the pin. Uh, that that really bothered me. I guess out of any of the three guys on Death Triangle, it's going to be Redbeard. But it bothered me, especially after coming back on Rampage. But House of Black looks of, great, though. I think it's sort of like, do you remember, the, ironically, it was the Wyatts? Uh, the Wyatts versus... Roman, Ambrose, and Jericho. And Jericho was the mystery partner. And Jericho took the pin because he wasn't going to be the guy that was going to be there. I think that's the same with Redbeard. We're waiting for Phoenix to come back so we can have the proper six-man. And this guy just kind of takes the pinfall just now. Sure. Yeah, and I I figured that was the case, that that Redbeard wouldn't be the one that stuck around. But Penta Oscuro... Like loves I I love everything he gets to do Pac and Brody King Buddy Matthews and uh, Malachi Black that's a that's a trio that has a lot of potential in AEW and I I think House of Black's a force to be reckoned with I wish this match is on the actual card I think this is a paper pay per view caliber match and one of the better matches of the evening if I say so myself well let well let's get into the main card because the the semi main event technically it was. It was really just put in as a sort of crowd cooldown between uh, Moxley Danielson and the world title main event. But the Darby Allen, Sammy Guevara, and Sting versus the Andrade Hardy family office um, six man tag match. Darby Allen, Sammy Guevara, and Sting pick up the win. The the Hardy family office. I think we're, we're eventually heading for a break up there. I think Jeff is going to obviously appear. And we'll have a Hardy Boys versus Private Party feud. But moving on to the face team, Darby Allen, I, I just don't get it. Oh. It, it's just, what, what is the, his gimmick is, but it's ironic that he pinned Matt Hardy, his gimmick is essentially the gimmick they gave Jeff Hardy 25 years ago. He jumps off high things and he's not afraid. The only yeah. difference was Jeff did it in a safe way. Darby Allen looks like he's gonna kill someone one day. And like don't get me wrong, like I'm a I'm a guy that gets a kick out of still seeing Goldberg. So the fact that Sting's about and 
like I, I still got a kick out of seeing him and you know Sammy Guevara's doing great with the TNT title but I just you, you talk about the four pillars of AEW and you've got Sammy Guevara who who was in the main event picture for a while was part of Inner Circle and now he's had you know breakout matches on his own um, MGF is just head and shoulders above anyone else on the mic in that company and Hangman Adam Page has been groomed since day one to be the champion at this point. Darby Allen, he's the weakest of the four pillars, I think, and I just he's really just not for me. I just I I, I don't see other than he jumps off high things and he's not afraid. Like what is that the character? <laughs> So I I get what you're saying in regards to Darby Allen's gimmick. Like, uh, yeah, he's the guy that jumps off of things and he has no fear and he shoots his own promos in his backyard. And apparently he crashes cars into buses and whatever, like how we saw in the little promo promo package at Revolution. Pairing him with Sting is it was cool to start. I think their partnership's gone on for too long. And I, I understand where you're coming from in regards to him being the weakest of the bunch. I also agree with that, but maybe I just think of Darby Allen a little bit higher than you do. I, I, I love what Sammy's doing. I love Hangman and I love MJF. MJF's one of the best things in wrestling right now, period. And yeah. it's that. But Darby Allen, he has he's had great matches and great showcases in in AEW. But what's next? I don't see him getting breaking past what he's doing now. Yeah, it's fun doing six-man tags. It's fun seeing him do crazy shit. But I he, I think the partnership with Sting, it was fun while it lasted. And we need to, if anything, let's do heel Darby. I want to see how that looks like. Again, you know, like I want, I want to see him go back into that. Maybe turn on Sting. That'd be cool. But yeah, he's in a rut right now. And he's if he's just getting put in these six-man tags... I don't know if it's because of Sting to make Sting look like he's still doing some crazy stuff at 62, which he still is jumping through tables. But I I'm in the camp where, yeah, I still think pretty high of Darby, but he's the weakest of the four pillars so far. And I, I yeah, would argue. I, saying. I, I would argue the four pillars of AEW. I, I'd replace him with Brett Baker. Because Britt Baker, despite not being champion for the majority of she's champion now, she held that division, that women's division together with sticky tape and nothing but <laughs> sheer will. Yeah. <clears throat> her her heel turn, her stuff with Tony Schiavone, you know, it kept the, the street fight with Thunder Rosa uh, yeah. at the St. Paddy's Day Brawl last year. Um it kept everything together and when when people like Hikarashida, Riho, Nyla Rose, with the greatest of respects to them, they were champion, but no one was really interested. The there would be weeks where Britt would get more time than any of them would, you know? Yeah. And she wasn't even champ. Yeah. Well we're on Britt just now, so why don't we why don't we go to her match for the AEW work? Women's World Title, the brand new AEW Women's World Title. I think this one looks a lot better. Looks very oh, much yes, like it, does. it looks very much like a sort of Impact title. See the way their tag titles are designed. 
it, it's kind of like that design and it, I think it looks a lot better as well because it looked very much I, I know they wanted to have these old style belts and the old style women's belts were very very dainty but you know we're in the we're in the modern era and big belts are big and chunky and you know they they, they need to look the part they need and more. I, yeah and I think this belt looks the part um rumors that Thunder Rosa was injured beforehand um Britt Baker winning via outside interference what were your thoughts on the match and Obviously, coming out of the match as well, Thunder Rosa is going to take on legit Layla Hurst this Wednesday when the winner goes on to St Paddy's Day. I don't know if it's St Paddy's Day Fall or St Paddy's Day Brawl, but whatever it is, they go on to that uh, in two weeks for a rematch potentially with uh, Dr. Britt Baker. So I'm torn. I, w- I have been torn on this because I thought this is where Thunder Rosa should have won. Because if if Rosa were to lose, when do you do this? And I know, like, I'm well aware of the dirt sheets and people are saying, like, oh, she might win at the St. Paddy's Day thing. And, like, apparently it's in her hometown, so she might win in her hometown. That's rad. But, yo, then I I was just very confused by this because this was my least favorite match on the card. Maybe because we've all seen that we, that Britt and Thunder Rosa have had great matches together. And mm-hmm. this may be the weakest of the bunch that we've seen on AEW programming. I did not like this match. Not that it was bad. I just wasn't a fan of it. Maybe because of the Thunder Rosa injury things. Maybe it's because of the outside interference from, from Rebel and from Jamie Hayter. But I I just wasn't feeling this. And I thought to myself, if Thunder Rosa isn't going to beat Britt now, who else can? Who else in this division is currently established and set up to take the belt off of Britt besides Thunder Rosa? And apparently it still might be Thunder Rosa. Great. But there's nobody else in a division right now that's built up in a, in a way to take the belt off of Britt. Yes, we saw Ty Conti face Jade. We'll talk about that in a second. But... I don't think Ty can just jump in and take the belt off of Brit as much as some marks would love that. Some fans would love that myself included. It wouldn't make any sense. And Chris can't do that. I don't think Layla Hirsch can do that yet. Uh, I know Hikaru Shida's back. That's rad, but I w- don't want her to take the belt off of Brit just like that. Especially after the rain that Brit's had, I was very conflicted on this. And if this ultimately ends in Thunder Rosa getting the belt in two weeks, then by or as of this taping in two weeks, then fine. But I, I'm just very torn, and the match to me wasn't great. I wasn't a big fan of it. I, I, I wouldn't mind it happening simply for the fact that, not that it's in our hometown, but it's like it's the St. Paddy's Day show. It's one year since they had their street fight, mm-hmm. and the, there's That's something, right, yeah. And there's something that sticks in my head, and it was um, it was Britt Baker who said because it was an unsanctioned street fight. That's what it was, and Britt Baker is laughing the next week, a star-making performance, the moment that would uh, live in infamy, but it doesn't mean a thing because it's unsanctioned and it doesn't count. And it was like, oh, she's just took that away, and then obviously you you realise. 
after that, Britt Baker went on to be the star because there was that great image of her, like, gushing blood. You know, sort of like, not people try to compare it to the Becky broken nose image. It's not as good as that, but it was certainly enough to skyrocket her further other than just she's Adam Cole's girlfriend. That that moved her from Adam Cole's girlfriend to this is Dr. Britt Baker, she stands on her own right. sort of level. And it would be nice to come full circle where now not only does it mean something, but it happened at your expense and I took your title. I, I quite like that. Uh, so I can see why though people weren't exactly high on this match. It wasn't a wasn't a great match compared to other ones. But uh, we'll, we'll go to the start of the show. Eddie Kingston defeating Chris Jericho. Um, we we've seen the the inner circle sort of implode, and Eddie Kingston sort of being at the centre of that. Um, th- this was th- this was a weird one for me because we're talking about Eddie Kingston winning the big one. Uh, I don't think he's won a won a pay per view match since he came to AEW. He he lost to Moxley in a world title match, lost to the Young Bucks in a tag title match. I think he lost to Miro in a TNT title match as well. And then he wins the opening match, and it's like, oh my god, he's won the big one. Th- there was a storyline of this in 2012 where Jericho came back in WWE, and he didn't beat anyone. On pay-per-view, he couldn't beat Punk, he couldn't get the world title, couldn't get the WWE title, didn't win the Rumble, and then he beats Dolph Ziggler in the opening match of SummerSlam, and Michael Cole goes, Jericho can still win the big one! And it was just, it was quite weird, and I kind of get vibes like that here, like, yeah, Eddie Kingston won, but we, like, it was almost like the shock, oh my god, I won. Like, he he's meant to be a badass, he's meant to be Eddie Kingston, this isn't Barry Horowitz. <laughs> you know, eventually getting a win. It's it, it's Eddie Kingston. It's a guy who's a former number one contender for like all three of your main m- male belts. Let's not turn around and have him be like, I won, I won. Like Owen Hart winning two slammies. Sure, sure. I didn't mind that. I didn't. I didn't mind the. I didn't. I didn't like how long it went. How long it took for it. Aubrey to tell him, like, hey, yeah, you won. But I did like the fact that Eddie went over on Jericho and that he tapped. When's the last time we've seen Chris Jericho tap? You know, like mm-hmm. it doesn't happen too often, especially in later in Jericho's career, where a win over him means something. And I think this is where this may be the most, dare I say it, this may be the most like meaningful win Eddie Kingston's had in AEW. Like it's Chris Jericho, mm-hmm. the the first AEW World Champion, the guy that they plucked from WWE and from other promotions to be the main guy in their company to start. And over time, he's yeah, he's been around. He's had a fuse with different people, but Jericho brought out the best in Eddie, and vice versa. And I love that he tapped. Like that, I thought that was very, like it was. It was moving for me. Like I love Eddie Kingston and I love Chris Jericho. And the fact that Eddie got over on this one via submission meant a lot. Now where they go from here, we'll we'll see how Chris Jericho makes Eddie Kingston look. 
But as far as Revolution goes, this is a big win in a really good match. A great way to start the show. And yo, Eddie, I think Eddie looks the best now than he has ever looked in AEW. Like Eddie, like after this win, Eddie looks incredible. You can put the belt on Eddie at double or nothing, and I would totally buy it. I'd buy into that. Like I would believe that. So this is a great W for Eddie Kingston and a great showing that Chris Jericho still got it, even though um, he had to go through a whole transformation and physique over the last few months to get there. Chris Jericho can still put on a great show and put somebody over in the process. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like it just, uh, it, I, I think like you, you're talking here and, and all that stuff does make sense. And the match I did enjoy, but it's just, I think I maybe was taken out of it by the, oh my God, I won. Like, sure. Yeah. Of, but yeah. You know what I mean? But um, you, you are right. It was a star, star making win. Uh, it was the biggest win of his career. Speaking of star making wins, uh, Jurassic Express defending their AEW World titles successfully against three-time Ring of Honor uh, tag team champions, as Excalibur liked to remind us, uh, Bobby Fresh and Kyle O'Reilly, <laughs> uh, Red Dragon and or Red Dragon, sorry, and the Young Bucks. They won and they won cleanly. Yes, they won clean. Thank God. Another statement win, man. Like back-to-back statement W's because, I mean, the talk of the town going into that tag match was is it going to be the Bucks or Red Dragon that take down Jurassic Express? And me, having Jurassic Express and a little draft over here at ESSR, I was losing my damn mind watching this match, not only because it was great, but because I wanted Jurassic Express to go over for multiple reasons. And when they did, the way they did, I was ecstatic. Because it was too soon to take the belts off of them. And they're pretty damn good as a tag team. Yeah. They're incredible, the two of them. And this is another great win. Taking on the Bucks and beating Red Dragon. Like, that's that's rad. Like, I, I was very happy with the result of this match. Probably my favorite match of the, of the night, to be honest. Yeah, it was, it was tied for me between this and the ladder match, which we'll talk about next. But a... 19 minutes, it's a bit long for a triple threat tag match, but there was everything in there. There was near falls for each team. There was, pardon me, there was shenanigans. There was ref bumps. Sorry, not a ref bump, ref distractions. Mm -hmm. And it ended up with the faces winning clean. And yeah, yeah, fair play to Jurassic Express. I I agree fully with you. It's far too soon to take the title off them. They've only had the defence against uh, the Gun Club before this, but now they've had this statement win against um, Redragon and the Young Bucks. I look forward to seeing where they go from here, and I I wouldn't be against seeing them take on the Young Bucks or taking on Redragon in a one-on-one match. Yeah. Yeah, that's... I mean, AEW's tag division is very very deep and stacked like it's it's very very good so red dragon eventually getting the shots at these belts and i think it's another matter of time before we see the undisputed era-esque we have all the belts within aew with cole o'reilly and fish but 
Jurassic Express right now and the role they, that they've been on, it's like this is another quality tag team reign that AEW has been very good at. Their tag team champions are, for the most part, they've been well booked. And so far, that's what they're doing with these two. Like, I know they have big, like, they have big plans for Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. Like, they, they're very unorthodox, but very over and very good at what they do. So, going over these two teams is another, is their biggest win yet as a team, and probably one of their better matches, if not their best match. But I'm, I'm also intrigued on the future of what the Bucks and Red Dragon are going to do, because I think they're going to keep feuding going forward. Sans belts. They don't need the belts to feud and have quality pay-per-view matches. But the future of Jurassic Express, that's what I'm I'm intrigued by, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Let's talk about the face of the Revolution ladder match. Winner takes on... Uh, the winner of at time of recording it's tonight, uh, Scorpio Sky versus um, Sammy Guevara for the TNT title. Uh, the winner will take on Wardlow at St. Paddy's Day Slam. Uh, Wardlow defeating Christian Cage, Keith Lee, Orange Cassidy, Powerhouse Hobbs and Ricky Starks in the face of the Revolution ladder match. Um, th- this is sort of, it, it feels very Batista-esque. Um the, the big guy breaking out of the shadows and we'll, we'll get into him fully breaking away later on. But Wardlow has went from guy with weird vignettes where he's defending a woman in the street like the Punisher to MGF's heavy to the fifth man in Pinnacle to now a really naturally charismatic guy who's had some some really good matches and some really good showings recently. And yeah, Wardlow, another another homegrown AEW talent, and it's good to see him get that big pay-per-view, another statement win, as we mentioned earlier. I love that Wardlow won this match, and it made sense. I feel like he was the, um, the overwhelming favorite to win this because he had storyline reason to win this. Um, I, I wasn't the biggest fan of this match, I love all the competitors involved, more, some more than others, but I felt like this match was needing something. It, there were some, there were some cool spots in this, especially with Orange Cassidy in the and the ladder, his multiple ladder spots. But this this match needed an extra something. It wasn't bad. I still enjoyed it. It was it was fun, but just maybe some more. Uh, mixing between styles of the big guys and the smaller guys. I do love a good Danhausen appearance, him cursing Ricky Starks. Maybe that'll play into <laughs> something going forward on programming. Maybe, who knows? I would love to see FTW champion Danhausen. That's what's up. But <laughs> Wardlow winning this match was the correct decision. And talk about a guy who has who has hella potential within AEW. We hear in the dirt sheets, we read them that WWE is clamoring for a guy like Wardlow if they can't already get him. And this match is exactly why. This whole pay-per-view is exactly why. Because this guy has a big upside. And he was he was relegated to being the hired uh, personnel of MJF. But now he's finally breaking out into his own thing. It's his own character. And 
this match, making him the face of revolution, was the correct way to go about this. It was a great way to to cap off. This it was a the fun ladder match. wasn't great, but it was fun, and I really really enjoyed it. And the right person won. Yeah, um, you, you talked about the big guys. I think having three in there was overkill. I think two for like. You can have the sort of two on one thing, and then they both push people away, and then they they get in there, you know, the big guys themselves. But I think having three big guys in there was a bit of bit of overkill. I do you know what I think was missing? We always have a high flyer in a ladder match, and you know, I know the likes of Christian jump off the ladders, and Ricky Starks isn't afraid to do stuff like that, and Orange Cassidy pulled out some really cool stunts, but. There wasn't a sort of ricochet, Jeff Hardy-esque sort of guy. Ironically, I'm talking about Darby Allen. Does he just fall off things? This would have been perfect for him to be in. Yes, totally. He, he could have been in, you know, the corner man as Darby and Sting took on two members of the Hardy family office. Yeah. Yeah, I I mean, someone like Darby Allen thrives in a match like this, but he was caught up in doing the stuff with the Andrade Hardy family order, like or whatever the hell they're called. But um, I'm I, I think that if Darby was in this, it also would have made a a nice case for him to win, solely because of the stuff with him and Guevara. But I also think that Darby will have more than enough TNT opportunities. Uh, title opportunities in this future, but Wardlow, someone who kind of needed some direction and needed like storyline reason to do what he has to do, this made a, a butt ton of sense. And they pulled the trigger on it, and we'll see what they do with Wardlow and MJF going forward. But Wardlow's future in AEW, and that's one to keep your eye on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, let's just jump into another match he was involved in. The dog collar match between MGF and uh, CM Punk. The cult of personality hits. Fans go in mental. And then MGF's music just cuts in. And <laughs> he's, he's just such a dick, isn't he? He's so good. I hate him, but he's so good. Mm, no, such an MGF hater. He is so, so, so good. And, <laughs> oh, it's just, it's the fact that he stays in character so often. And it's just, like, he took, he took being bullied by anti-Semitic assholes and still managed to get booed. Like, yeah, how, how did he do that? <laughs> Talk about how Punk was his idol. You want to want to go home on Monday nights and watch Punk on TV, and how he was getting bullied and shit. And then he he's just he's still the worst. Like, but that makes him so good. That's that's a part of MJF's charm and what makes him such a good wrestler and such a good character. But the talk of the night was Punk's entrance. Yes. So is it AFI? It's AFI, yeah. Yes, I see. I I'm not like you said earlier, Ring of Honor connoisseur. I'm not a Ring of Honor connoisseur. I remember um, I downloaded an app and it was like wrestling theme songs. So you pressed it and it was and it was like CM Punk bracket Ring of Honor. So I knew this was his 
theme song and I've seen him do entrances with it like when I went back and looked at stuff but I've never seen it live and you know that split second where you think of something like a split second beforehand and it happens and you're like no way like but you're like I thought it I didn't think it would actually happen I was going to say to Scott because me and Scott watched it together not be cool if he used that AFI theme and then <laughs> literally before I get a chance to say it just yeah. No, it wasn't the Terminator theme, but you know, it's close enough. <laughs> I was I was one of those guys where like the music started playing. I'm like, what is this? I'm like, is this this Ring of Honor theme? And I went to Twitter because Twitter would, would tell me anything I needed to know. And everyone's losing their minds. So I'm like, okay, yeah, this is Ring of Honor theme. And then he comes out in the basketball shorts. And like the windbreaker, I'm like, okay, yep, like this is Ring of Honor homage to a T. Mm-hmm. And it was great. It was a great moment. A lot of fans were like emotional and they were singing singing along with the song. And like that, I thought that was a great moment for not only AEW and for Revolution, but for punk. Like, yeah, the purchase of Ring of Honor a few days prior or the announcement a few days prior was great. And it was something to like it was a talking point going into the weekend but like i mentioned there are guys who hold their time in ring of honor close to their heart and close closer to their chest one of them being cm punk and this entrance is the epitome of that it's the homage to where he got his start and to where he made his name and that's where a lot of these folks knew him from or know him from so seeing him come out with the music, the AFI music, it was great. It was a great moment. And I know the folks I was with, they were like, okay, like, let's go back to Cult of Personality because that's how they know him. That's how they know Punk, which mm-hmm. I think is, um, I think it's fair. I think it's a fair thing to say, like to acknowledge that it's cool. But, you know, a lot of us may know the This Fire Burns, the Kill Switch Engage song he used in ECW, <laughs> early WWE, or the Cult of Personality. But it was a cool moment nonetheless. And it's not like... He, if he keeps this music, that's the question. I doubt it, but um, no, I, th- I, I think it'd be fun. I think much like the Ring of Honor stuff, like was sprinkled all over the show. Um, you know, Adam Cole was mentioned as a former three-time Ring of Honor World Champion as well. You know, the Redragon stuff. Um, pardon me, but yeah, I think this was just a wee subtle nod to. Ring of Honor is back, and as you said, there will be people like a Brian, like a Brian Danielson, like a Adam Cole, like a CM Punk, who will go back and will like he's going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame in the next right. few weeks as well. So I think it was just a subtle nod. It was a cool one-off, but like Edge's brood entrance, it, you know, what I mean, like we know, like the. Metalingus, you know what I mean? We that, we sure, that's the right. edge we know now. You know what I mean? So it's cool to see him do the pop up, but but then when you hit, you think you know me, hits you're like, right here we go. This is Edge. Right, right, and the like the moment was was rad. Maybe if he wrestles in ROH, he used the AFI music. Who knows? I don't know how the music rights work for that. Or I mean, Tony Khan's buying everybody's music straight up, so who he's buying the rights, so who cares? But we'll figure that out. But the match that, that followed that was also pretty damn rad and pretty entertaining. If you ask me. Very gory, very 
for um, for a modern era wrestling match, it was very, very bloody, very, <laughs> very violent, and yeah, I enjoyed it. But I, 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 I did enjoy the match, but it was one of those ones where it was like, wow, this like they're giving this a, a like a proper spotlight. I just a few MGF's good, and. It, I'm trying not to shit on the MGF's good, but I don't think he's good enough to have the 25 minute match yet. If you get me, no, sure, no, I I feel you. I thought the match was too long. Like that, that's my one critique of it. Like it was, it was great in the beginning, great in the end. I loved the finish, but in the middle, it dragged a little bit. I think it was around the tack spot where I'm like, okay, this is officially too long. Like I think this has gone on for longer than it should have. If they were to condense it like five minutes, I thought it'd be like great and maybe my favorite match of the night, which I still think is one of my favorite matches of the evening. But like you said, the longer this match went on, the more I was like, you know what? Yeah, um, I think this could end now. I think it could end. How it ended was the question, but that's where our boy came back. That's where Wardlow showed up. Yeah, so Wardlow, it gets called out by MGF. Wardlow comes out looking smug, looking dapper. He says, get me the ring, get me the ring. He looks for the dynamite diamond ring. He doesn't get it. Punk hits the... Does he hit the GTS or does he just knock him down? Um, He... No, he used the GTS. Because he went to the And then Wardlow, such a clumsy fellow, just goes... Silly me realizes he has the diamond ring. And he doesn't hand it to Punk. That's what I like. He leaves it on the ring apron as if to say, "Do what you will." That was such a good moment and a moment that the Orlando audience was very receptive for because we had been waiting for it for months—not days or weeks, months—when Wardlow would finally be like, "You know what?" MJF, like I'm, I'm, I'm good. Like I, I'm tired of your shit. And like what you said, he just left the ring there. He's like, Punk, do with this as you want or as you wish. If you want to do something with it, by all means, go ahead. And what a moment! The the middle finger to MJF spitting in Punk's face to getting hit with the ring as MJF's won plenty of match from doing the exact same thing. I thought it was great storytelling. I thought the again the ending of this match was so strong for me. Just the, the middle kind of brought it down a little bit, but it was a great way to end it and to make, you know, give Punk his win back, gushing blood like like a crazy person. He was bleeding after five minutes of this match. Like, he was gushing blood. It was insane. And you put Wardlow super over, not just over from the ladder match, but you also give him the rub of helping Punk uh, get over MJF. But I, I loved that moment. And Wardlow just walking away. He didn't stick around. My man got got the hell out of Dodge. I was very happy with the finish of this match. Made me very happy boy. So question, does Wardlow win the TNT title and then MGF chases him for it? Or does MGF cost Wardlow his TNT title opportunity? It would make the most sense because like you, like you said earlier, we don't know who wins Guevara or Scorpio Sky. But it would make the most sense regardless of whoever comes out of that match. Probably Scorpio Sky. Begrudgingly, I have to say that. 
not no diss to Scorpio Sky though. That damn ESSR draft. It 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 changed my it skews my views on wrestlers. <laughs> but um, I think MGF will cost Wardlow that match. I I believe so. Just so I think that'll be the feud going into Double or Nothing. It'll be MJF and Wardlow. I think MJF and Punk are done. I, I I hope at least I hope so. I've seen enough of MJF and Punk for now. We can do we can run that back later. Let's shift the focus to MJF and Wardlow. That'd be that'd be the best at least for me. No, no, I absolutely agree. I'd like to see Punk move on. We've saw Punk being beat now, so now it's not the oh well, he's not going to lose here. Well, he's not going to lose. You know, exactly. the, the loss has happened. Um, yeah. <laughs> so we um we'll quickly talk about um the TBS title match, Jade Cargill defeating Take Onty. Uh Take Onty seems to be brought in just to put everyone else over. Um <laughs> and Jade Cargill decent showing, you know, for someone so early in her career. Uh I would like, you know, we talked about Hikaru Shida earlier. I would like to see her defeat Jade Cargill for the TBS title. Oh! Give Jade, give Jade her first loss, and it's no shame to lose to, like, the longest reigning, you know, the longest reigning women's champion in AEW history and a former, like, women's world champion. There's nothing wrong with losing to her. And I think Hikaru Shida could get some really good matches out of Jade Cargill as well. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, but the 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 Ty Conti of it all, I I like this match. It was short. They it did its job. It put both of them. I thought both of them looked great in this match. But Jade is just a powerhouse, and her record. She's twenty eight and zero in AEW, which is a uh, crazy as hell to say out loud. And this is her first title defense on pay per view. And she came out dressed as Jade for Mortal Kombat. Big ups. Big big um brownie points coming from me to Jade Cargill. But now you you beg the question of who beats Jade Cargill? Who? Who on this roster has the capability to beat Jade Cargill in this state where she is perfect through almost 30 matches? And she's so green in this. The, the, the Jade pun aside, she's so green still. She made her debut in wrestling a year ago in a mixed tag match with Shaquille O'Neal. And look at her now. And she and her star is getting brighter and brighter and brighter. And again, no diss to Ty. I think Ty's also great. And she's on the come up to do great things in AEW. But Jade looks great. And I love your recommendation of Hikaru Shida beating Jade Cargill. I think that that'd be fun. When is the question? When does that happen? Because she's going to lose at some point. I think double when. or nothing. You, 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 you run it to the biggest show of the year. You go to double or nothing, and you have Hikarashida win there. I think you, I think you do it as the opening match is like a big shock to pop the crowd. Are are you then running the risk of fans turning on Shida if she's not a heel? Because Jade, she's presented as a heel, but she's super over. Like, do you run the risk of someone of say say Shida Shida beating Cargill, and then the fans turning on Shida? I think, and we'll, we'll come on to a, a title change later on, I think that it would be such a shock that it would get cheered before people then let it set in and were like, ah, yeah, well, actually, we're not 
I think Thingley's out of dodge, but then, and I think Karashi does get enough goodwill in the bank that it wouldn't affect her in the long run, if you get me. I hope you're right. I, I have a bad feeling that whoever beats Jade, if they're not already super mega heel, that they're going to get turned on by the fans. Because especially the Orlando crowd was very receptive to, to Jade. Because Ty and Cardgill, they, they both came in like heels almost. They're both doing very heelish things. Mm-hmm. Um, besides kissing each other, I guess. Because that happened a couple times. Sure. <laughs> um, but um, like it, they, that really caught me off guard. That's how the match started. Wasn't that nuts? But mm-hmm. the um, like they both came in as heels, and yeah, Jade went over, but Jade looked like the face if there was one because the crowd was very receptive to Jade. To both of them, the crowd loves both of them. Shit, I love both of them. But Jade coming into this, and say if Sheeta were to beat her, I'm afraid that Sheeta will get turned on by the crowd because then we love Jade so much that we're not ready to see her lose. Granted, you said double or nothing. What's that in May? Yes. So we have some time, and Jade will probably be at forty and zero by then. So that would make sense. But I'm I'm just scared of whoever beats Sheeta or whoever beats Cargill. If it's Sheeta, Ruby Soho, Chris Statlander, whoever the hell, that if they're not heels, they will the crowd will make them seem like they are. But again, who knows? And I hope you're right. I hope that the crowds are very nice to Sheeta if it were to beat her because of how much she has meant to the AEW women's division, especially over the course of the pandemic. I think she garnered a lot of brownie points over that time, carrying the division on her back when no one was watching in the live crowd. So uh, all props to Sheeta. And I do love that she's back. I love to see her back. Yeah, me too, me too. Um, <clears throat> so we talked about a bloody brawl between MJF and Punk, uh, and Daniel Bryan and John Moxley, not to be outdone, decided to start stiffing each other and busting each other open for real. Um, really good technical match, Daniel Bryan, Moxley. Um, liked, the, liked the finish where Moxley out-wrestles Bryan, sort of catching Bryan off guard. But let's just talk about let's just talk about what everyone was talking about. As soon as Moxley and Brian ends and a post match brawl happens, and who who comes home playing the role of the dad splitting up the fighting brothers, but William fucking Regal. <laughs> Yo. It, it was so so surreal to to and I'll, um I'm glad to see it's just I have some strong thoughts on this because um, and, and it's not against Rick, this is very much anti-WWE this one um, and it, it really it really annoyed me so I, I said in the group chat saying I've never been annoyed to see someone leave WWE for Impact AEW or New Japan nor have I been annoyed with WWE for releasing folk. It's just, a, it's a business. But seeing Regal and AEW pissed me off because the guy helped build NXT into the success it was before he was forced out the door with this 2.0 nonsense. It felt wrong seeing him somewhere else because he should have had a job in, for life in WWE. 
And yeah. thanks for all the hard work. Thanks for all the people you've scouted. Thanks for all the people you've trained. Thanks for all you've given us as an on-screen general mal- general mal- general manager. Jesus Christ, easy for me to say. You're so um, pissed off right now. Yeah, exactly. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Most says like choking on my own rage here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so to see him somewhere else, it felt so surreal. And I think this is the first time I've ever been like that with WWE. You bastard! You, 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 you let him go. How dare you? But, but Ross, if it wasn't for William Regal getting released, we probably wouldn't have Dolph Ziggler as our current <laughs> NXT champion. So we, uh, I'm totally kidding. No one should get. I get it. It's a business. I was pissed off and Regal got released too. But I'm very happy that Ziggler has the belt. But that's besides the point. This is another great example of Tony Khan playing uh, GM universe mode in whatever video game he's playing. So you're <laughs> telling me this there is a tag team now, presumably, like, and it got, a, it got confirmed that we're getting a tag team for now of Moxley and Danielson with Regal as their pseudo manager slash in their corner, however you want to word it. Are you joking? That's incredible. Like, again... This is that's this is the appeal of AEW. It is universe mode. Oh, you want Keith Lee? Bam, we'll bring him in. Oh, you want Swerve? You want Isaiah Swerve? You're not Isaiah. Shane Strickland? Okay, great. Bam, signed. You want this? Bang. Here, I wouldn't be surprised if if uh, the man formerly known as Cesaro makes his way to AEW. Who knows? But the fact that Regal popped up after this match, a fun match, by the way, really enjoyed it. Had a great time watching it. But Regal popped in. He's out here slapping these guys, headbutting Moxley, covering his own forehead in blood, and making him shake hands. He's like, we'll, short, we'll sort this shit out later. Great. Yes. What a, another fun moment before the main event. Like, the show's already dragging on a little bit long because I'm not used to these long-ass shows. That's why WWE pay-per-views, I watch the matches the next day, the ones I want to watch. But, mm-hmm. yo, this was, a, this was a great, like, fun GM moment that every single fan watching and that was at the, at the arena that night, we at least appreciated to some degree that that partnership exists with Regal, Danielson, and Moxley, and the history the three of them have spanning promotions. So, yes, I'm as, as pissed off as I was when Regal got released, this is best-case scenario for me, at least probably for him being all elite and getting to partner with, some, with folks who he had a hand in making who they are now. So, big shout-out. I love that. I love that. That was great. Yeah, absolutely. Um... Main event time, Battle of the Adams, Hangman Adam Page uh, against Adam Cole, baby. Uh, Hangman Adam Page's fourth AEW title defence since winning the title from Kenny Omega. Um, Adam Cole, all that time he had in Orlando, uh, wrestling for NXT, very much a, and he is uh, from Florida, very much a home field advantage. It was very much... Um, Although there was the funny Dueling Adams chants. Oh my um, god, those are so funny. Adam Cole, very much the favourite. A lot of Hangman's, Hangman's offence was getting booed. I think folks are just ready to see Adam Cole win a world title. 
I know the folks I was watching the show with, they were very pro-Cole, which don't get me wrong. I love Adam Cole. I'm a, um, I'm a big fan of the party. I, I love what Cole did in NXT. But I was waiting for Paige to retain. And this is another classic case of Adam Hangman Page will not lie down. Like he will take everybody's finish and the resiliency of the character and of the man is incredible. They, these matches that, that, uh, hangman's a part of are fan are just incredible. I love them. I, I think they're great. And I thought it was too soon to take the belt off of him, especially after so much time that it took for him to get there and beating Kenny last year. But this match is awesome. Again, you made Cole look good and you made hangman look good. Hangman had to use Cole's finish and his own to take down Adam Cole. I thought that was rad. I thought it was pretty dope. And he got past the interference. Um, he had the, the dark, his Dark Order friends were there. This was a great way to end the show. I was a big fan of this match. It, it, was, it was great to see Adam Cole have that great killer match, main event worthy match. But also, Hangman's not ready to drop that belt yet. And I don't think he will be for a while. I, I love this match. I thought it was great. Yeah, I thought it was great as well. Um, question for you heading into Double or Nothing round about May time. Um, we had Don Callis on the pre-show. He said, whatever Adam wins is just a placeholder for when the real world champion Kenny Omega returns. Is Kenny Omega going to be in the main event of Double or Nothing? Or is Kenny Omega going to appear after Double or Nothing to attack whoever wins his title? Oh, wow. Um, my guess, if Kenny is ready to wrestle by Double or Nothing, I think it'd be, it'd be for the better if Kenny was on the show. If I'm not mistaken, this is the first show that Kenny has not been a part of. The first pay-per-view that Kenny Omega has not been a part of for AEW. I think you may be right, yes. I, I believe uh, Reddit taught me that. And I was very surprised by that, but also not because Kenny was such a mainstay with the company. Obviously, being the EVP and all. But I would like to see a triple threat of Kenny, Cole, and Hangman. That would be nuts. Granted, I don't know how long they'll stretch out this Cole Hangman program if they'll do it all the way up until double or nothing because we have two months to kill. But if Kenny can wrestle, if he's ready, then put him in that match. But maybe not a singles match. Maybe multi-person. I think I, I, I like a good AEW triple threat. Yeah, absolutely. Um... I wouldn't be against it. Adam Cole, Adam Page, and Kenny Omega. That'd be a great match. <laughs> you did say my favorite part of the, or one of my favorite parts of the match with the dueling Adam chants, like, let's go, Adam. You know, like, I, I thought that was great. <laughs> or, or the, this is Adam chant. That was also fantastic. Very, very creative bunch in Orlando. And, and, and it reinforced the fact that too many people in AEW have the same name. Too many. I get, I get why WWE takes people's names away and changes them to avoid that. I yeah. get it. I get it. Yeah, I think, um, I think it, it's 
it's not a bad thing that there's more than one Adam, but maybe have an Adam in the mid card and an Adam in the undercard and an Adam in the... Right, <laughs> not, right. Not two main event Adams. <laughs> right, two main event Adams, main eventing the first show they possibly could. Like, that's... I, I get it. I It was still funny, and the match is very good. And just in case folks forgot, I don't know if folks would forget that Adam Cole's a great wrestler, but this is Exhibit A. And he, he popped into the main event of this big this big, this big world title match for Adam Page. And there was a second where I thought he was going to take it. But uh, Hangman going out on top was for the best. And going into double or nothing. Shit, you can keep Adam Cole in the main event picture. They might wrestle again but before, before then. Who knows? Maybe, maybe. Um, so let's move on to WWE. Uh, this past week, we'll we'll talk about we'll, we'll get two new champions in WWE. We'll talk about one of them um, because it leads on to our second story, and it's possibly one of our bigger stories we've covered here on Central. Um, so, and I told you this before we went on air, and I'm going to tell the listeners because I was absolutely raging at this. So, the Alpha Academy, Seth KO. RK Bro triple threat tag title match. I was so looking forward to it. I wanted to avoid spoilers. I tried my best to avoid spoilers. I I, I avoided everything. And then what happens when I sit down to watch it after it was quite late at night because I'd been to see Batman, came home, had my dinner, sat down to watch it. I fell asleep as the bell rang and I woke up and I saw the finish. So in a, in a half hour match, I saw the last 30 seconds as I fell asleep for the majority of it. But new tag team champions, Randy Orton and uh, Riddle with their second uh, tag title reign as RK Bro, they've defeated the Alpha Academy. When Kevin Owens gets on the mic, Kevin Owens has been doing his sort of rundown of Texas thing, you know, I I hate Texas. I I, I he, he doesn't want to be at WrestleMania in Texas. And he gets on the mic and he calls out Stone Cold Steve Austin. Now at this moment he has it it's it's not been confirmed as a match. It's not been confirmed as like a one on one match, but How how mad is this that we're in a world where we've had Edge back, we've had Daniel Bryan back, and now, for one night only, we might get Stone Cold Steve Austin back in a match against Kevin Owens? Oh, okay. So, before before I I, I give my two cents on this, I want to mention that, that promo that... Um, I want to mention that that promo that Kevin Owens gave, apparently they had a graphic go up in Cleveland where they were at and they played Steve Austin's music. They had the glass shatter and all the Cleveland fans thought Stone Cold was going to come out and he didn't, obviously, and it was very funny. It was a great tro- it was a great troll job by WWE without them. I don't think they knew that was going to happen, but from the count- the accounts I saw that went to the show, they all thought that Stone Cold was going to come out. He definitely didn't. But besides that, even though it's pretty funny. They, I, they did that in Saudi Arabia where they announced Undertaker for the Hall of Fame 
and then they started playing his music. But like, it, it wasn't as if it was like halfway through. No, they just did the whole dong, like as if Undertaker was going to be there. Like, crowd just went mental. Right, like they need to stop doing that. <laughs> I get why they do it, but stop it. If I was in Cleveland that night and I heard Stone Cold's music and he didn't come out, I would have been pissed. Would have been very pissed off. But again, besides the point. So ever since the story got rumored or it was being alluded to, I have been torn on a potential match for Stone Cold Steve Austin. I was five years old when Stone Cold Steve Austin retired. And I never watched his matches as they aired on pay-per-view or television. I always wa- I obviously watched this stuff afterwards. And in my adult life, I can say Stone Cold Steve Austin is fucking awesome. And he is just even wrestling, even the most like like plebe of human, like the the most like general pop culture person. They know who Stone Cold Steve Austin is. One of the few wrestlers in wrestling history to transcend WWE, WCW, whatever insert promotion here. There are very few that made that that jump. And Stone Cold did it without being in a ton of movies like mm-hmm. Cena and The Rock. Like, yeah, Stone Cold's been in movies, but it's not Jumanji. It's not Fast and Furious. It's The Condemned. You know, like, who gives a shit? I do, because the movie is cool. But <laughs> Stone Cold's one of the few to cross that threshold. And if you were to tell me right now that Kevin Owens versus Stone Cold Steve Austin is going to be a thing at WrestleMania, a match, give them 15 minutes, mama, sit my ass down and watch it. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm, I I could bitch, whine, cry about it. Trust me, my favorite wrestler of all time, Shawn Michaels, came back out of retirement and wrestled in Saudi Arabia. And I forget that match happened because I, 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 I hate it. I hate that match so much. And as far as I'm concerned, Shawn Michaels hasn't wrestled since WrestleMania 26. But Stone Cold just being at WrestleMania means something. Him... I think he's going to get incredibly physical. Not not a match, though. I think it'd be a mistake to have a match at this point. If they were to book it, I'm watching the shit. But if they don't have a match, great. Just have him beat the hell out of Kevin Owens. That's what we want. Let's be real. Have him trade barbs. Have Stone Cold beat the living hell. Open that can of whoop ass. What? Have him do that whole thing. You know, I think that'd be fun. But don't have him wrestle. Don't do 20-minute match with Stone Cold Steve Austin now. As much fun as it would be, I don't want to see him in black trunks with, like, reinforced knee braces. And um, I, I just don't. I don't want to. I don't want to see it. I'm scared. I, out of out of pure fear. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> it would be Sorry, rad to see Stone Cold. Chris. Sorry, Chris. You're cutting through. Going through like a jackass. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> oh my god! I'm scared, man. I I do I don't want to see. I'm Shawn Michaels is the living embodiment of don't come out of retirement and wrestle long matches. Don't. That, I think Sting that, is doing it perfectly right now. This is either no. going to be it's going to be either Rock Cena WrestleMania 28 or it's going to be. Michaels in Saudi Arabia. It's either oh. going to be it's either going to be a spectacle that's remembered fondly, 
or it is going to be an absolute car wreck, but you better believe I'll be sat down to watch it. Uh, Stephen has a theory where he thinks, so uh, sorry, John Isherwood has a theory uh, where he thinks it's going to be a sort of cinematic match. Where no! They, uh, let me finish. It's sort of like the Hollywood backlot brawl where they kind of just brawl all over the arena. Then they come out to the ring. It's about five minutes of brawling. Double bird stunner. Crowd goes home happy. Um, Stephen thinks it's going to be a sort of Kevin Owens show on night one and then the actual match on night two. Oh my get- God. Just to get Austin on both nights. <laughs> <laughs> is that confirmed that the Kevin Owens show, as it's currently being billed, on, is it on night one? Do we uh, so I don't... It, Austin's confirmed he'll be at WrestleMania, but there's nothing on like the match card to say it's a match. There's nothing... Um, there's nothing to say there's a Kevin Owens show I think that was just Stephen's prediction there is we are still a wee bit out from uh, Wrestlemania I think we might see Austin before Wrestlemania on an episode of Raw maybe oh oh, hell so I just looked it up Uh, so by the way uh, that that Stone Cold promo that they released uh, is incredible it's incredibly well done and Stone Cold never lost it he still can can talk his ass off but it is confirmed that kevin owens show is on saturday so steven's on to something he might be on to something right well there we go i didn't know it was a kit like i like i said i've only seen that the end of raw and then the kevin owens calling out steve austin um thing you you um your worries about this so so i've got cousin david he got into wrestling recently like within the last year and a half and he went back and watched all the old attitude era stuff and he watched all the wrestlemanias and he's like he went by the way he went head and shoulders above everyone else stone cold is my favorite guy like i like i absolutely love him and his favorite character is vince mcmahon so he's obviously heavily watched the attitude era because i think that's basically all i recommended to him but um, I <laughs> I told him about how Vince was rumoured to be wrestling and how Steve Austin might be wrestling. And he was just like, this is a guy who's only got into wrestling within the past year and a bit. He's never seen a live Vince match. He's never seen a live Austin match. And he was just like, no, just let it go. <laughs> <laughs> I sent him the promo that Austin cut. And he just sent me the, see the the Vince McMahon one when he finds out Ric Flair owns half the company. And he just, yeah, he kind right. of just pull, he pulls his ears and pulls a face. That's sort of what he sent me. So, oh my God. But I know for a fact he will be sat down as we all will, because we are all massive hypocrites. We're like, yes. Like some of us are absolutely here for it. Me, some of us are apprehensive, you and my cousin David, but we will all be there for it. Yes. Um, I feel like we kind of just cut over the whole um, RK Bro or the new tag team champions thing to to get to this story. But what are your thoughts about RK Bro being the tag team champions again? What have you thought of RK Bro as a team? And do you want to see them go further 
or do you feel do, do you feel there's more to do with them or do you feel like Sting and Darby Allen it's run, run its course they should have never lost the belts in the first place I, I know that Alpha Academy benefited greatly from having the tag belts and their little run was cute or it is cute but I think RK Bro's the best tag team on Raw right now and putting the belts on them just makes a whole ton of sense I know folks were also clamoring for the inevitable split and feud between Matt or excuse me, Riddle and Randy Orton. But at the same time, they're the best tag act on your A show. So you have to, you know, utilize that. And they're going to go into WrestleMania, retain the belts against probably the street profits or something. But RK bros, the best act on raw. And I know there's been a lot of tag, or a lot of title changes recently, like uh, Finn Balor beating Damian Priest for the U.S. belt. Um, they're switching things up. And I think WWE is on the up and up going into WrestleMania, which is something I have not said in a while. WWE on the up and up. But I feel good about um, RK-Bro being the tag champs for a little bit longer before they split up inevitably and feud. But... They're the best act on Raw, or one of the best acts on Raw. I, they are very entertaining, surprisingly. To the surprise of literally everyone, especially Randy Orton, RK Bro works. It very much works. Yeah, I think we've got at least another year before, like, let, let's take it all the way to WrestleMania next year. Let's do the, you wow. know, the inevitable breakup. Let's have it, say, at the Royal Rumble, the 2023 Royal Rumble. And then you've got a match penciled in for WrestleMania 2023. You know what I mean? Randy Orton versus Riddle. I just, I like these, you know, when they bring two singles guys together and it works and it, it, it is working. They are an odd couple, but it's not grating. It's like it, it works on its own. They've both had sort of wee snippets out of the team where they go on wee singles adventures. Yeah. Um yeah, I, I think I agree with you. I think it works. Um, they are billed as defending the titles at WrestleMania. This was sort of the whole thing. Like the winner of the match was guaranteed to be at WrestleMania, um, as if they were going to have WrestleMania without the twelve-time world champion Randy Orton. <laughs> exactly. But um, I, I think it's going to be a multi-man match. I think Street Profits will be there. I think Alpha Academy will be there, and I think. Because Bobby Lashley's out injured and um, because the whole Shane McMahon debacle, Seth Rollins is nobody. I think we might see a fatal four-way and Seth Rollins eventually finds like a sort of odd couple tag partner. I think that'll be his road to WrestleMania this year. Word. Um, I, hmm. I would have tried to put him into the US title picture with Balor and Priest, but that works too, you know? Like, I I really like Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens as a, as a tandem. I thought they had great chemistry and they worked very well together, as they have in the past. But s- keeping Seth there makes sense. It just depends on the partner, but if they're doing single stuff, just put him in the US title picture. It makes sense. The, the, the multi-person matches with Balor and Rollins at WrestleMania have worked before, and it wouldn't hurt to do it again, especially with Damian Priest, this version of Damian Priest. Or, so. you know, 
uh, we, we talked about new champions. He could jump over to SmackDown and take on the new Intercontinental Champion Ricochet. That'd be fun. I, I, by the way, I do love that that exists. Ricochet's IC champ. That is, that's great. That's that made me very happy to see. It was Scott that told me he's the first man to hold the North American, the US, and the IC title. And that's nuts. Yeah, Ricochet. I remember we seen we we never got a chance to talk about this in Central. Uh, obviously, because we weren't here last week, but there was a news story that um, Ricochet was going to be positioned as the second top face on SmackDown behind Drew McIntyre. And I think we were all like, yeah, heard it before. Like, you know, it'll last for about a week and then he'll be back down the card and he's the real life superhero, blah, blah, blah. But no, he he wins, albeit with assistance for Johnny Knoxville. Uh, he wins the IC title from Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn and Johnny Knoxville is going to happen at WrestleMania. Um, but yeah, Ricochet has now got his ticket on the road to WrestleMania and a lot of people talking maybe a multi-man ladder match, maybe maybe a one-on-one match. I don't know. I'd love to see Seth Rollins against Ricochet. As long as Ricochet retains. Like, yeah, we, we've heard that. We've we played this game before of... Oh, Vince is high on Ricochet. We've I've heard that a thousand times. We've all heard that a thousand times. Yeah. But if you mean that, if they mean that, then have Ricochet face whoever the hell at WrestleMania and retain the belt and don't put him on no damn pre-shows. Have him, you have two nights. The show's going to be 10 hours long. Let's let's try to make Ricochet look good, whether it's against Rollins or if it's against Sheamus, any one of the folks from the New Day, like I, I, I think that Ricochet deserves a quality retention at WrestleMania. He's been on the main roster, just finding trying to find something to do for years, and you finally give him something. Have him get a big win against whoever, as long as it's on the card, and he goes over against whoever have him face kofi give him 10 minutes have him put on a barn burner of a match and a win against kofi means something so have him do it have, against whoever it could be rollins rollins would be, be even more so uh, like a qual a very quality win like that's that's some that's another feather in your cap if you're ricochet so as long as he retains the belt that's all that matters to me yeah no i, I absolutely agree I'm gonna I'm gonna let you do this one because I absolutely love this decision. I love the fact that Dolph Ziggler <laughs> and now our new our new <laughs> NXT champion. I love that Dolph Ziggler is the champion of a brand again. He is someone who's been so underutilized for years and years and years, and I am so happy to see him as champion again, but I have been singing his praises for years on this show. Chris, I'm going to give you five minutes. Up your step. Damn, damn, five minutes. I don't know if that's going to cut it, because you know why, Ross? I also have been singing the praises of Dolph Ziggler on many (laughs) a wrestling program for God knows how long. Ever since 2013, when he cashed in money in the bank against Alberto Del Rio, and you heard that pop, one of the biggest pops in the 21st century in WWE, we knew what Dolph Ziggler was capable of doing. They gave him the name Dolph Ziggler, and he is one of the most beloved stars on the main roster, at least in my eyes. 
like I'm a big Dolph Ziggler mark. And when they decided to send him to NXT and face Braun Breaker, face Tommaso Ciampa, I was questioning what the hell they're doing this for. Is it a one-off like Styles? Is it going to be him putting over Breaker? No, he took the belt off of him. And say what you want about it. Yes, Robert Roode was involved. But if I had a buddy, I don't want my buddy helping me out in big title matches too. So Dolph Ziggler being the top guy in NXT for now makes sense. I know some folks aren't going to like it. Braun Breaker is fantastic. So much so, he's on Raw with the NXT Championship. Who the hell has done that before? At least in recent memory, right? Yeah, Tommaso Ciampa is essentially on the main roster now, just with just making appearances on NXT. Sure. But Dolph Ziggler beating Braun Breaker and Tommaso Ciampa is a moment that no one expected but we're so glad it happened, especially the two of us here, the resident voices on this week's Central, myself and Ross. We love this decision to go and have Dolph Ziggler be the NXT champion. Is this going to last forever? Probably not. Is he going to drop the belt and stand and deliver? Probably. But we saw Braun Breaker on Raw. So now we know that Vince McMahon knows that Braun Breaker exists. And I don't know about y'all, but I think Vince loves Braun Breaker. Braun might be on his way to the main roster sooner rather than later. Does Ziggler stay in NXT with that belt past stand and deliver? That's a genuine question I have. It's not just some like fantasy world that Ross and I are living in because we're Dolph Ziggler marks. It's a genuine question. Ross, do you think that Ziggler is... 100% 100% going to drop the belt as stand and deliver, or is there a chance that he retains? And a world where Ricochet is now the IC champion and Dolph Ziggler's NXT champion, Chris, I don't know what to think anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I think Dolph Ziggler might be here to show the world what they've been missing for the past 10 years. I once seen a tweet, and I don't know who tweeted this, but whoever did, fair play, it said, Kenny Omega is just Dolph Ziggler if he went to Japan instead of staying in America and sleeping <laughs> with the Yo, that's a crazy-ass tweet. <laughs> and you know what? I'm so happy. And you know what? I wouldn't mind... I wouldn't mind Dolph Ziggler staying in NXT a bit longer. I wouldn't mind... Because Dolph Ziggler, he's 41 now. I think we... You know, the, the whole concussion thing in 2013 and, you know, his, his two runs with the world title, we got as far as we could. I think you saw every time he got a big win, like in 2014 and 2016 with the IC title, they couldn't wait to take the title off them again. Um, he's often spoke, Tyler Breeze spoke on Renee Young's podcast about how he was never the guy, but Dolph Ziggler was never the guy. And he said, as long as you can show you can have a great match with their guy, you'll always have a place on the card. So Dolph Ziggler is essentially the guy to put over the guys in recent years. So, you know what? He's 41 years old now. He's not going to be WWE champion. He's not going to be universal champion. But you know what? Braun Breaker might. Braun Breaker is young. Braun Breaker is up and coming. Braun Breaker is the standout of the NXT 2.0, which is Vince McMahon's baby. And Tommaso Ciampa is 36. He's going to Raw 
either now or never. And if it's never, then as much as I love Tommaso Ciampa, in this new year of NXT, if he's not going to be there as the world champion, because the only old person should either be the world champion or the guy who the world champion beats to get a big victory. If he's not going to be an NXT, sorry, on Raw, I think it's time to cut Tommaso Ciampa. Not that I want to. I prefer to have black and gold NXT back, but we need to be realistic. This is the iteration they're going forward with. So, yeah, Dolph Ziggler staying in NXT for, I don't know, say till the SummerSlam takeover. Give someone like uh, someone who's been around the title picture recently, uh, Santos Escobar. Maybe he gets a big win. Maybe. Maybe Carmelo Hayes once he drops the North American Championship. Grayson Waller. Kushida. Kushida. They they, they keep keep him there for some reason. I I hope. I hope this isn't another Kenta situation where it's just, oh, well, he's. English isn't his first language. Just keep him there. Like, I hope it's not another one of those situations. Pete Dunn. Pete Dunn. Or, hey, a long shot. But they advertised a kid, a kid right, who's only, right. Yeah, he's. I believe he's only about 25, 26. Coming up from NXT UK into NXT, maybe that's the guy that takes the title from Dolph Ziggler. But I, I think it would make sense going forward for Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode to be the sort of the 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 veterans in the pool of new guys. And I think Braun Breaker, if Vince loves him, he'll be on Raw. Tommaso Ciampa, he's done everything he can on NXT. Yeah, I'd I'd love to see it. The it's a long winded answer, but yeah, I'd love to see it, and I'd love to see a change in the guard of NXT. You're not wrong, Ross, and I agree with a lot of what you just said. Like, I love Tommaso Ciampa, and I think he's going to be on Raw. I, I truly do think that um, after them letting Gargano walk, I don't think they're going to let Ciampa walk like that, and. Putting him on Raw makes sense, especially if he wants to be there. I know he's been vocal about not wanting to do that in the past, but things change, people change. But in NXT, yo, we're getting folks on weekly television who have barely wrestled any matches. Lash Legend, she is inc- I mentioned Jade Cargill being incredibly green. Lash Legend had her first match like three months ago. And... <laughs> Like and she's on weekly television now because she's entertaining and she's great. Nikita Lyons, who the hell was that two weeks ago? I had no idea who Nikita Lyons was. And then she had her debut match on there and lit the internet ablaze, right? For mm-hmm. I mean, I mean you for for reasons. But like Grayson Waller, LA Knight's another guy. It's a matter of time before he goes to the main roster. Carmelo Hayes, Trick Williams. Um, all the current and present tag teams, right? Like Casey and Caden, I know they just got bounced from the Women's Dusty Cup, but they're uh, they're probably the best tag team in NXT um, that are not named MSK or Imperium. Like I, I very much enjoy what they do, and it's I thought it was a crime that they lost, but for the sake of my ESSR draft, hell yeah, Kaylee Ray, yes, big <laughs> fan. But I. There are a lot of younger talent. There's a lot of younger talent there, and that's what they're trying to do in 2.0. So let Braun be champ, but oh, but if you're going to keep Ziggler there, have him and Rude, like you said, be the two guys there, the only two dudes. 
Let's chop and move on. And boom, you you're ref- that's a fresh matchups. Chop has been in NXT for forever now. Ziggler can now wrestle guys like Carmelo Hayes. I love to see Grayson Waller and Robert Roode in matches like that. So keep that same energy. Keep the dirty dogs in NXT and keep that belt on Ziggler for my own sake. Yeah. Yeah. Um well we'll move on from NXT uh the future to the past. Um two two names, one confirmed, one rumored for the Hall of Fame. Uh Vader rumored to uh, sorry, officially confirmed to be going into the Hall of Fame class of twenty twenty two. And Psycho Sid Vicious rumored to also been going into that class. Um Daniel Campbell pointed out it seems to be this year it's taken as a headline and some of his biggest opponents will be in and around there. And to me, like the Vader one makes a lot of sense. Vader's contributions, not only to WWE, but to pro wrestling in general. Um, that's some like that's he is the embodiment of an era to a lot of folks. I know I was. I was born after the big Vader push, but or I was it got into wrestling way after Vader was prominent in pro, in like all these different promotions. But I feel like you can't tell the oral history of pro wrestling and not mention Vader uh, because of his impact and what the character has done and what the man has done, you know. And Sid's another guy where yeah, he might not be as prominent of a character as Vader, at least in my opinion, but. Again, his contributions to Vince McMahon's Candyland, that's I he's is he the one of the best wrestlers ever? No, but I think the character has definitely made made sense to join the Hall of Fame. And if we're keeping the theme of Taker's biggest opponents joining him in his Hall of Fame class, Sid makes sense. And Vader, now confirmed, makes one hundred percent sense. So if those three names are joining the class, well, we already know Taker and Vader, but if Sid joins them, I, I totally buy it. Um, some movie news regarding Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Uh, he tweeted out two hours ago, two hours ago, big and exciting news coming out from our movie industry or seven bucks production and DC comic movies are shifting dates. Super Pets will be where The Rock plays a... Superdog, Crypto the Superdog, and Kevin Hart plays Batdog. <laughs> Keanu Reeves is playing Batman. John Krasinski is playing Superman. Uh, Super Pets will be released on July 29th. Uh, and Black Adam will now be released October 21st, right before Halloween, and will continue playing throughout Thanksgiving and Christmas. Essentially, Black Adam's been moved back again. This is, a movie. This, is a mo- this is a film he was signed on to play Back in 2007, I believe. It's been a while, yeah. Like, like good God. <laughs> like, uh, but yeah, Black Adam uh, starring The Rock will be released October 21st. I think they're thinking this is going to be well received. It's obviously had test, uh, test screenings. It's obviously either needing reshooted or they think it's going to be so well received that it can keep playing it right through Thanksgiving and Christmas. Super Pets. I mean, don't get me wrong, I will watch it. It's something superhero related, but I think it is going to be very child friendly. Um, 
But yeah, The Rock's Black Adam now released October 21st, Super Pets July 29th, and I'm just looking for confirmation on this one that I've just seen. Miro has apparently signed a new four-year contract. Word. That's someone who I'm jonesing to see back on TV too, especially with these new faces in uh, AEW the last few months. I know he's been missing for a while, but in regards to the movies, uh, briefly I will say um, it's not Bat Dog, Ross. It's Ace the Bat Hound. Come on, Ross. Oh, I, I, know, I, know you, I know you're better than that. And <laughs> and maybe should maybe uh, Black Adam pushed back because of how crazy the summer's going to be in regards to the box office, and they wanted to avoid the juggernaut that's going to be Thor: Love and Thunder, the big Marvel release that's going to be happening this summer. So it makes sense why they push it back. And you don't go into December because December, um, I forget the bigger releases, but I know Avatar is still scheduled to be released. The second Avatar movie is coming December. But Black Adam getting out of Dodge from Thor makes sense. Plus, you don't want to mix up the two Thunder and Lightning guys. Plus, Thor is going to win that battle every month or every day of the week, especially in the movies. But <laughs> um, the, the DC Super Pets, yeah, it's not for us, but I think that movie is still going to make some money. It's good counter-programming for anything else. Plus, we haven't seen a Crypto and Ace, the Bat Hound, and hearing Keanu Reeves' Batman is awesome so may not be for us but it's 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 gonna appeal to a certain demo and hopefully it's a good movie but makes sense why they shift them i totally get it yeah uh yeah i'm seeing it on a wrestling observer figure four online miro reportedly signs four-year AEW contract extension um really don't think he should have lost the tnt title but he's not been on tv since uh sorry he's he, he had a brief feud with Daniel Bryan, I believe, in the AEW title eliminator. He's not been on TV since. I do think he came down quite hard on his head in that match. So looking forward to seeing him back on TV again. Miro versus Keith Lee, that's a tasty match we could get our teeth into. Oh, hell yes. Please and thank you. It's inevitable. In, in Tony Khan's world, it's inevitable. Well something that's becoming more of a regular feature on this show and more and more I'm talking about this man adrenaline in my soul something something Cody Rhodes update on Cody Rhodes WWE talks and actually points out something that you and I were talking about earlier Seth Rollins Wrestlemania future uh, so following his departure from All Elite Wrestling in mid-February, reports noted Cody Rhodes would be re-signing with WWE, but the American Nightmare's return has apparently become uncertain. Dave Meltzer noted on uh, Figure 4 Wrestling Online that negotiations with WWE had hit a snag, but Rhodes has multiple offers on the tables. Uh, he has a decision to make. WWE wants the decision made soon for obvious reasons. Hashtag WrestleMania. The ball is at his court, however. Uh, Apparently, he apparently also has the option to turn to AEW. The door is open. Um, Cody Rhodes himself playing a bit of a troll. Uh, he gave an up, update to Fightful Select. He said, I logged on earlier and saw some wild stuff. Uh, these are mad times. Then when he was pressed on Twitter for an answer, he just sent a photo of his dogs. <laughs> Fightful also noted that there's been pictures 
for a Seth Rollins Cody Rhodes match at WrestleMania, but creative was now uncertain, and several AEW talents have been speculating that Rhodes' deal to WWE is off and a return is imminent. So, from Cody Rhodes is going back to WWE to Cody Rhodes is going back to AEW to Cody Rhodes is going nowhere to Cody Rhodes is going to walk with his dogs. Um, so, more oh. of the story. We have to wait and see. We can't predict with Cody Rhodes. And I know the WWE thing was the was the hot button rumor for a while, but I I like to think out of pure pettiness, and plus I think it'd be funny. The Raw after the show, the one that like the, the show that we're doing right now, takes place in Jacksonville, Florida. And um, I think that'd be pretty funny. If Cody Rhodes made his re-debut in the town that that houses AEW, so just putting that out there. I I don't know where he's going. I don't want to speculate on it because you know we could be wrong tomorrow. But it'd be fun if he popped up on Raw on Monday. Just saying. Yeah, it's very much. Uh, it's it's very much. Uh, a reason to watch Raw, and Raw's actually been quite good recently. Um, yes, it has. I, I really enjoyed the 30 seconds of the tag title match I've seen. I'm just joking. No, a lot of people <laughs> uh, raving about that and the, the Kevin Owens stuff. And, you know, Brock Lesnar's been really, really good on Raw recently. So, yeah, a lot of good stuff happening on Raw. Um, but, yeah, I think that's, that's going to do it for this week, bar one. Our one piece of very important housekeeping here, Chris. So, as you know, as you've been listening, because I know you listen to these centrals, we have a quiz now at the start for our for our panelists. We're going to we're going to start getting more people on. There's going to be a leaderboard. Currently, there's only two people on that leaderboard. There's John Isherwood with six, and there's David Hockney with three. Now, usually this quiz takes place at the start of the show because at the end of the show we have the GOAT's question. But David Campbell, that disgusting, despicable, despising human being, has not put a GOAT's question up this week. Can you believe how much he phones it in, Chris? Oh, my gosh. So the GOAT tones are absolutely at the bottom of the leaderboard. He just gives up. Typical David Campbell. I know. But we have... Ten questions for you, Chris. Oh, God. You have a minute to answer them. Are you up for the challenge for it? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Screw it. And your time starts now. Who took the pinfall in the EW tag title match this past Sunday? Oh, geez. Oh, no. It was Nick Jackson. What number... What number NXT champion is Dolph Ziggler? Oh, are you kidding? 13. And what year did Steve Austin debut in WWE? Oh, you are a joke. 1992. What was the name of the Impact Special from this past Saturday? (laughs) Pass. After MGF, who's the youngest member of the Pinnacle? Oh, 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 my gosh. Oh, my gosh, pass. 
How many NXT UK champions have there been? Uh, four. How many times has Becky Lynch fought for a women's title at WrestleMania? You're joking. Um, Four. Right, you got in right before the end there. You get seven there. Um, That's rough. <laughs> rough. They weren't that bad. I, you know what? I, um, yeah, how, how'd I do? <laughs> well, let's go through it, shall we? Um, so you got seven of the questions. Um, can I guess on the ones I passed on? That won't count. I know they won't count, but can I guess yeah, on no, them? that's fine. So I asked you who took the pin in the AEW tag title match this past Sunday. It was Matt, not Nick Jackson. God damn it! Uh, I asked you what number NXT champion Dolph Ziggler is. He's number 20. Oh, wow! Wow. Do you know, do you know who is number 13? And it's quite fitting. It's Alistair it's Black. Oh, Alistair Black! Oh, okay. Okay. Yep. So I, I, I just count from him onwards. <laughs> uh, okay. Dave Austin made his WWE debut in 1995. Ah, damn it. <laughs> 1992, he was in a War Games match against Sting. There you are. Ah, shit. Uh, the name of the Impact special from this past Saturday, well, your scoreline spells disaster for you because it was sacrifice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you, you passed on this um, MGF one. Uh, who's who, after MGF? Who's the youngest member of Pinnacle? Can I guess? Go. Um, is it? It's it's Wardlow or Sean Spears, and I'm going to guess Wardlow. It's actually Cash Wheeler. Shut, really? No shit. Cash Wheeler is, I believe, May May. So he's thirty four. He's thirty five in May. Um, how old fact, are these dudes? In fact, hold on. Actually, I think I'm just. Realize something here. <laughs> Sean Spears is 41, so it's not him. He's 40? Uh-huh, he's in his 40s. <laughs> oh, my 41. God. Um, yeah, so... <laughs> what? Sean Spears is 41? Holy my, my, shit. My mistake, my mistake, it is Wardlow, because Cash Wheeler... Turns 35 this year, whereas Wardlow has just turned 34. But Wow! <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I didn't get it anyway, but MGF has like a decade on these guys. Oh my god! Cash Wheeler uh, is 34, Dax Hardwood is 37, and Sean Spears is 41. That is insane! What the hell? Holy uh, shit. You were right. There has been four NXT UK champions. Tyler Bate, oh. Pete Dunn, Walter, and Ilya Dragunov. <laughs> Becky Lynch has fought for the women's title at WrestleMania four times. WrestleMania 32, WrestleMania 33, <laughs> yes. WrestleMania 35, and WrestleMania 36. Oh my uh, god. There's three other questions. Do you want to go for them just for a bit of fun anyway? Yeah, sure. Why not? Name any IC champion from 2011. Any NXT Chamber from 2011? Um, uh, Seth Rollins? 2011, Chris, come on. Oh, 2011. Have... Wait, 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 wait. Um, you, you've mentioned two of them on this show. In fact, we've mentioned three of them on this show today. Oh, uh, Kevin Owens. 
No. We mentioned Cody Rhodes. We mentioned Dolph Ziggler. We mentioned Kofi Wait, Kingston. Wait, what was the question? Wait, what was the question? Any IC champion from 2011. Oh, I heard NXT. I heard no. NXT champion. IC, Intercontinental. The year oh. 2011. I thought you said NXT. I could have swore you said NXT champion. Okay. Scott led it this back and texted me like, yeah, you said NXT champion. But anyway, <laughs> IC champions from 2011. You could have Dolph Ziggler, Kofi Kingston, Wade Barrett, Ezekiel Jackson, or Cody Rhodes. Okay. Uh, where will next year's WrestleMania take place? Hollywood, baby. There you WrestleMania go. WrestleMania Hollywood, SoFi Stadium. Uh, and who appeared from under the ring in the face of the Revolution ladder match? Dan Housen, he put a curse on Ricky Starks. God damn. <laughs> See, the, the, the trick is, if you don't know, pass quickly. Did that happened to David Hockney. <laughs> wow, that, that was, those are rough, you know? Like, I, the, um, admittedly, the, the UK champs and the Becky Lynch one, they just happened to coincide with each other. And that was a pure guess. But, Wow, those are those are some those are some thinkers. And I swear to God, I heard you say NXT champion right now. Granted, I know it doesn't count, but um, when we when we run this back next time I'm on Central, I'm gonna do I'm gonna do better. I, I'm gonna tell you that right now. Okay. Well, you're currently bottom of the leaderboard with two, so you can't. And, I, and I bet I'm gonna stay that way. Is is I and I bet you know I'm gonna be there until I come back on this and and take my claim and stake my claim. All I know is that in the ESSR draft that we got going on, your boy is currently one half of Mick Lopez with cheese. And just saying, we're at the top and we have a nice lead. As of now, I know things can what? change. What? 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 Can't hear you, Chris. Come through as a jackass. What? <laughs> what? Just saying. Just just putting that out there. I'm good at something on this damn cha- on this damn channel podcast network i'm i'm good i'm i may not be good at recollecting the week but do you you know what my favorite thing is in the draft chat it's not the goat tones failure it's whenever david hockney predicts points for himself and it goes horribly wrong shout (laughs) out to breaker i actually see that this is actually how i found out about because I, I posted immediately after I seen this, like, ha, 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 ha. Um, I think it's WWE Stats and Figures they tweeted out. Oh, there we are. Uh, so far in 2022, we've seen the start of Brock Lesnar's 10th title reign in WWE, Dolph Ziggler's 15th title reign in WWE, and Randy Orton's 20th. Wow. That's rad. There you are. The only... so. The 17 other NXT champions had won a combined total of zero non-NXT titles in WWE before winning the NXT title. Drew McIntyre won the tag and IC title before Dolph Ziggler, and then Dolph Ziggler, way out in front, won 14 titles on the main roster before winning the NXT titles. He sounded more belts than I thought he did. Yeah, well, he's won... He's won the tag titles with Bobby Roode twice. Yeah, R- R- the Raw. He won the tag titles with the Spirit Squad. Yeah. He's won the US title two times. He's won the World title two times. And, well, that, that would mean he was a 
seven time IC champion. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's real shit. I love it. Um, but yeah, it says the list of superstars with ten plus televised opportunities. At the, uh, so he he's in the list of superstars with ten plus televised opportunities at the WWE title without ever winning it, uh, and he is now in the list of superstars who won the NXT Championship and the. On his first opportunity. There you go. Yeah, that's what I like to see, baby. I like to hear that shit. Um, I'm, I'm just reading it just because I find it quite in- interesting. So I'm just reading live on air. Wrestling Stats and Info is this Twitter account, by the way, guys, if you want to have a wee read it. It's a great, sh- it's uh, a great Twitter page. Heel Ziggler becomes only the second superstar in history to have challenged for all of these titles. The US, the IC, the World Heavyweight, the Raw Tag Team, the WWE, the SmackDown Tag Team, and the NXT Championship. I wonder who's the other one. See if this is. Seth uh, Rollins is the other one. Sorry, or... I it's the, <laughs> Apparently Seth Rollins is the other one. Or at least that's what they say. It's a good company. There we go. It's not bad at all. Not a bad, not a bad list at all. No, not at all. Hell no. Well, there you go. And one from Raw. When NXT, when Champa competed on Raw for the first time in a 2019 tag match, he was the reigning NXT champion. Tonight, Tommaso's tag partner, Braun Breaker, is making his Raw in-ring debut, and he's the reigning NXT champ. There you go. This is just, I'm going to stop now because I'm just going to sit here all night. And, Before you just start reading off all the tweets. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, at WWE Stats, if you want to follow that on Twitter. If you want to follow us on Twitter, that's at Suplex Retweet. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, you name it, we are there. Uh, Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet community, if you want to get involved in the conversation. And, of course, a massive back catalogue of previews, reviews, interviews, and all the news. That's Android Anchor, Spotify, and iTunes. There we are. Thank you very much, Chris, for joining us. Hopefully, when you join us again in a couple of weeks, you're... Your quiz score will improve. <laughs> I hope so too. <laughs> thanks, thanks, brother. I appreciate the love. Thank you very much for joining us, and we'll see you again next week. Bye bye. Hello, I am Jack Graham. I am Scott McLeod. And I'm David Hockney. And you can catch us hosting one of the greatest shows in the history of podcasts. Saturday Draft Live. You can tune in every Saturday to find out who on the ESSR has the best chance of winning the current season of our Fantasy Draft. As always, you can catch Saturday Draft Live on all good podcasting platforms. 